It's about take risks every single day. Don't let anybody tell you you can't do anything and go out there and just do epic shit. And if you fail, so what, right? I, I failed trying right. to do epic shit, but That's I'm going to try right? to do epic shit. And I got a short time on this earth and I'm not going to go out and go, hey, let's be average today, boys. Let's do this, right? Let's go, right. Let's go chase average. Welcome to Sonder Union. I am Owen McGran, still just a guy. Today we have John Lindsay, the man, the legend, the parody king. Um, I have to apologize in advance for the second episode in a row. I have managed to mess up the recording. Uh, previously, I somehow lost two thirds of Lenore's uh, uh, pod. Uh, this time, I neglected to select my good microphone when recording and instead recorded through my AirPods. So I apologize for the grainy audio. Um, I always forget to do this. So if you are so inclined, please do rate and review this podcast on whatever podcast platform you prefer. Now with that, let's roll the tape. All right, folks, today I have with us John Lindsay, who is a closet genius, although he will fight me saying that every step of the way. John is one of those people who is a doer. And as somebody who is a chronic overthinker, I find people like this fascinating because I try more and more and more to be like that and try to incorporate that into the way that I do things. And John is one of those people that, that I smile every time he comes up either in my inbox or on my phone or on LinkedIn. So, John Lindsay, welcome to Sunder Union. Thank you, sir. It's great to join you, and I've been looking forward to this. So, I appreciate yeah, you having me to. on, my friend. I appreciate you All having right. me on. So, you know where we start, right? So, I do. You know this one's coming. Every pitcher has walk-up music. What's your song? Well, so I, I was telling you this story when we when we kicked off here that. Uh, I walked out this morning and I shared how this podcast goes with my 14 year old grandson. Yeah. And I asked him actually the question and he turned it right back on me. And he said, I don't know which song I'd pick, but I know what song <laughs> you're going to pick. And so uh -huh. he was dead on. And so here you go. Uh, <laughs> you only need a go. couple bars of it, right? You only yeah, need a couple bars true. of it. So uh, <laughs> I play that song in to begin every workout I do, I play that song to begin every Ironman race I do. Uh, it's just been, it's number one on the play, on my playlist every time. Yeah. So it was a no-brainer for me. So I had to go back to make sure nobody had picked it on any of your previous episodes <laughs> first. So when I saw I was in the clear, I thought, all right, there we go. Caleb, well done. So I love the underdog, man. I love the underdog. You've been pretty vocal about this question, right? Anytime I announce, you know, the, the new episode uh, on LinkedIn, you know, you always say, did you ask the question? So so what is it about the question that gets you? Right? What does it for you that, that gets you excited to hear answers and, and, and to answer it yourself? Well, I, I find it fascinating. First, when you first told me you were going to do this and that you were going to start with that question, I thought it, that is such a, a fascinating question because, and, and I'll, use, I'll use Lenore as, a, as an example. I couldn't wait to hear what song she picked because 
I know her personality from online, right? I know how she writes. And, and I thought, I wonder if I could predict what kind of song she was going to pick if it went with her personality. <laughs> and again, she threw down Grandmaster Flash and, you know, the player song. And it's like, whoa, I mean, that, that's out of left field, right? I mean, who would have thought? Right. I would have never right. thought. So, so it's fascinating to think that some of these are probably, I can't wait till you've done 100 because I want to go back and listen to see the people that you know. Did the yeah. did the song choice line up with the personality that I know of them, or did I just find out something amazingly cool about a person that I had no idea? Right, like Lenora, I would have never guessed that. I would have said, "Oh, no way!" Button down, you know, she's not going to pick anything like that, right? I expected something really, I don't know what the word is, but uh, more conservative. How about that? Uh, yeah, and then, I can you see know, that. They throw down a rap tune, and it's like, yes. Right. It's like, all right, my my kind of people. I love this. So it just it just seems like the kind of question where you can learn something about somebody that and that just fascinates me because I, I think people's music choice and their car choice and their clothing choice a lot. It goes into to, you know, kind of depicting who they who they are and, and then more importantly, what they want people to think of them when right. they announce that. Right. So it's cool. So I had this vision of her walking out of the dugout and you know, throwing that first pitch and, you know, it's probably be better than mine. And it's just cool. It's a great, I loved it. That that's why I knew I loved this podcast idea from the beginning. Cause I thought, okay, you're going to figure out cause you're, you are a deep thinker. You mentioned it in the very beginning. Um, so you're going to figure out questions to ask people that I guarantee you others would not ask. And that's what makes it unique. Cause a lot of the podcasts I listen to, uh, you know, I learn stuff and they're, they're, you know, sometimes technical and sometimes business and, you know, it's good to learn stuff, but Sometimes it's just you just want to hear, like you said, you just want to hear people having a conversation to get to know them better, right? To get to know yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, and and that's one of the things that I was thinking about when I was contemplating what what this would be, whether I wanted to do it. There are a lot of podcasts that are exceptional at providing really actionable information, and some that might be really funny, or but there aren't a whole lot where the purpose is just to have a conversation to get to know somebody, and I think that. You, know, you hear a lot about you know, all this talk about, you know, you want to be authentic. You want to do all, but but people don't actually want to do the work of of getting to that level. People want to curate an image of themselves that they would like other people to think of, of, of them as. But we're really protective of who we actually are. It's a great right? point. That's a great point. You know, it's funny. So taking it a little bit further when, you know, again, getting to know somebody, when I first saw, same thing with you, I saw your writing and I thought, oh boy, first of all, I told you, there's not very, very many people. There's a few that intimidate me where I'm even afraid to respond. And thank God, you know, I use hashtags <laughs> a lot and you can get away with misspellings and stuff in there because it's supposed to be a little silly. So it's part of the reason I do it is because I can respond to really smart people like you and not get spell checked on or, or grammar checked or, but, you know, you could easily develop a, a sense of who we slash I think you are. And then you drop on me that, look, I play every instrument in the world and I'm throwing down vinyl on the weekends and I love music and, <laughs> and I'm willing to come on and do a parody with you like we did. And then all of a sudden it's like, mind blown. It's like, all right, I love this guy. I don't just like this guy. I went from liking this guy. I love this guy. This guy could be, I would go and I don't even drink and I'd go drink a beer with you because, you know, it, it, so it was just so multifaceted. And I think it's not just me. After you did that with me, the responses I got from everybody else was, Owen, really? He's a, it's like, whoa, right? So it's a, it is so cool to see 
the the, the multifaceted elements mm -hmm. of of the human personality that you just wouldn't get to know if you didn't do stuff like this. Right. You know, and I don't drink either, but I will go get a ginger ale with you anytime you want. Um, well, you know, it's funny you say that because uh, that's my yeah. go-to beverage right here, man. So it's, it's you know, my go-to as well. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's funny. My my wife rolls her eyes every time we do it because we, we'll go out to dinner, right? And and she'll order, you know, a champagne or something, and and I, I will sort of pull the the waiter in or the waitress in real closely. And I said, I would like your finest ginger ale. <laughs> and and there's a moment before that it registers that it's a joke, right? And yeah, <laughs> and and then there, there's a panic moment on the other end, and then and then usually they laugh. If they don't laugh, I know it's going to be a long night. Well, it's um, funny you and I had had this conversation back in one of our earlier conversations about the fact that we don't drink, and and you know that you know people sometimes want to go down the path of why, right? Instead of asking. The drinking population, why do you drink? What do you need that stuff right, for, right? Right. And, you know, look, I'm not judging. I'm just saying we get asked all the time, well, you know, dude, is there something wrong? What, what do you, why do you not drink? It's like I have to explain myself. And I know we had this conversation early, early before where it's like, why, the, why does the healthy <laughs> right, choice, right. why does the healthy choice need to be explained? Right. That, right. I, I would think you'd just go, yeah, I respect that. Right. But there always yeah. has to be some crazy reason in people's mind for why we don't. Like it's some sort of, Whoa, you got two heads, bro. Holy cow. Right. Are you are you are you okay? It's like yes. I don't know. I like waking yeah. up without a headache. Like not being dehydrated all the time. You know, it's that's right. I like spending a yeah. dollar on iced tea instead of fifteen on that thing you got an umbrella in or whatever that that's is. That's right? right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's interesting. One of the one of the first things that I look for anytime, you know, I I am in somebody's house for the first time or, or something like that. I look for their bookshelves, right? I want to see what's on their bookshelves. And if they've got music somewhere, whether it's records or, you know, I look for what, what they do because that's a that's a window into their soul, right? You know, in the same way that you were talking about earlier, the the way that we choose to dress, the the car that we decide to drive, they they tell a little bit about what we want to project into the world, but also who we want to be. It's aspirational, right? Mm. So what does that mean? I drive a white pickup truck. So does that mean I want to be a landscaper? What does that mean? That means I've, that means I've... <laughs> it, 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 to me, it means that, that, that kind of thing isn't important to you. Right. Yeah. yeah. You, know, you know, I desperately I, want, I, I tell Tanya all the time, I desperately want a new Corvette and it's not like we couldn't go get one if we want one. Right. We could go get right. one if we wanted sure. one. As much as I want it, I don't want to be seen driving around in it, right? Mm -hmm. I want it. I would take it and drive it at night when nobody sees me with tinted windows, and you know, because I love that vehicle. It is, a, it is mm -hmm. one of the prettiest vehicles I've ever seen, American-made cars, in my oh, life. Yeah. But I will, I will probably never buy one, just for that reason. That you know, you just there's just a, again back to the what do you want people to see? I don't want people to see that, even though I want desperately <laughs> to drive that car and own it. I don't want to tell anybody I own it. So it's funny that 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 it matter. It matters, right? Mm -hmm. It matters. Yeah. And I've had clients, you know, again, the the you know, I drive a white pickup. It's probably more expensive than most people's sports cars. But right. if I drive up to a client's, 
they don't think anything of me, right? And but if mm-hmm. I pulled up in a Porsche, they'd be going, "Oh, we're paying for Lindsay's Porsche. This is, you know, what are we, what are we doing paying? You right. must be charging me too much money, right?" So it's yeah, funny how you know, much things like that matter. It is, you know, and it, it, this is one of those things that I've, I've, I mentioned earlier. I'm an overthinker that I've thought about way too much. Is <laughs> there's a delicate balance when you're in a service industry like I am, right? Where something like the vehicle you drive projects a lot about, you know, if 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 you if I roll up in a Corolla, right, my client's gonna say, oh, "God, did I get? Is he not any good, right?" But if I drive <laughs> yes. up in a you know in a Maybach, they're gonna be like, "Oh God, like <laughs> this fucking guy, really?" Yeah. Um, and so like there's there's a balance that you have to sort of reach there, where like the car's got to be nice enough, right? To <laughs> But if it's too much, and it, it becomes such a stupid game. Isn't it funny that we care that much? Or, or that, excuse yeah. me, that we have to care that much, right? Right, right. About because it becomes a form of marketing. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I think it would be different if I, if, if I were, you, you, I think you hit it on the head, at least for me. You know, I'm in a business of servicing people. And while I don't spend a lot of time at clients anymore, it's just because of what we do here. I don't have to roll up in the car. But you know, when we do, it mattered like that. And I've often thought, you know, if I wasn't in that type of business, would I care whatsoever? Right. You know, if it was a different. Right. And the answer is probably no. Right. Because I care mm-hmm. and I'm concerned and I don't want people to feel like this guy's ripping me off. I'm paying for his fancy sports <laughs> right. car and that and the right. Rolex, which is why, you know, it's an Apple watch and not. A, right. I mean, it's all those mm-hmm. things. It's funny that thought goes into them. Some people, I think, do that to make themselves look like they have those things and they probably oh, can't even afford them. Right. And then there's others that, you know, you, you were trying to scale it back so we don't look ostentatious and, you know, well, we don't look like a jerk. Right. So mm-hmm. it's, it, there's, you're absolutely right. There's a lot of thought that goes into a lot of that. Right. Yeah. I wear Walmart. I'm, I, I wear early Walmart. Right. I, you know, half of the things that my wife picks up at the, at the for my parodies, it'll come from Goodwill. And then mm-hmm. I wear them. I'm like, hey, this is a great yeah. shirt. It's a dollar. Yeah. Right. I, hey, I'm down with that. <laughs> you know, one of the decisions that that I I had to make when when I opened my firm was um, what kind of people I wanted to work with. Right? Do I want to? Did, did I want to work with people who cared if I show up in a hoodie and a Henley? Right? Or do they need me to wear, you know, a, a two hundred dollar button up shirt? Right? Um. And there's a bet that you have to make, right? Are there enough people in the group that I want to work with to support me, right? To, to make the business functional. But then there's also that second question that follows that, which is, if there's not, do you want to be doing this anyway? Right? Good point. Um, but so I think I know the answer to this because of the way that you initially spoke about, about your song. Right, because you use it before your workouts, before you do your your ultra marathons, you know all that kind of stuff. Right? Does the song change depending on what you're doing or what room you're walking into? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's you know you're probably like this too. Music people are like this. And listen, I I have no musical talent, so I simply enjoy (laughs) music for my soul. Right? I can't. Yeah. I can't play. I took piano lessons as a kid. I was horrible. I took guitar lessons. I was horrible. I I wasn't good at any of it. So I don't, I just don't have that inclination, but I love music. It's the fabric of my mm-hmm. entire life. I can tell yeah. you just about every memory, good, bad, or otherwise, 
you know, what I can, was playing. I tie it to a human being and a, in a place and an event. And a, it just, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's the, it's the way that I map, you know, the chronology of life. And so, you know, because it's something I can keep track of. So the answer is, yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I'm sitting here working and I'm at this desk, I probably have some jazz going on, something that I don't have to think about or classical even, right? Something that just puts you at ease, right? When I'm in the gym, man, it's hard. You know, the, the Rocky stuff starts it, but then it goes to, you know, ACDC, right? And Bon Jovi and, you know, they ha- and I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hair nation guy. I I love (laughs) hard senseless metal, you know, that for the gym, right. When I'm driving, it's a different, it's a a different. So you said it when you're in different, different mode, the music switches absolutely everywhere you go. And depending on what you're doing. You you do know that I, when I was in graduate school, played in a hair metal cover band, full cost. Yes. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I told you when I found out about you, I would, first of all, again, it was another one of those things where I was blown away. Cause I had this, you know, I see you, I see your writing. I know how deep you are. You read, but I was telling my wife this morning about this and she's like, why would somebody this smart have you on? <laughs> I've asked myself, the, I've asked myself the same question. Right. So, you know, because it's, you're, you are a deep, deep thinker, but you know, there's a, there's a, a kind of an expectation from a lot of deep, deep thinkers that they're going to be extremely reserved. They're, they're going to be conservative in their choices. And that extends to music and, you know, everything. Right. And then here I, you know, learn this about you. And again, I'm like, oh, dude, are you kidding me? You know, I can talk. <laughs> I, I can talk to this guy. This guy's, you know, he's, he can come down to my level. That's what it told me. It told me that I could be comfortable being myself because look, there's a lot of people that I meet that that even that I do business with that are deep, deep, deep thinkers that. I don't ever feel like I can meet them on a level that I can get to. Right. So, and you're a lot taller than me. So getting to that level is even harder. I got to, I got to get like on a, on a small stool to get up to that level. So, so, so I, I have a slightly different gloss on that. Right. I don't think that you need to get up to any level or anybody needs to come down to your level. I think it's whether or not somebody is comfortable enough with themselves to simply be with you. Right. Because I was serious at the beginning when I, I think that you're a genius. I, I mean, maybe in a different way, maybe in a different way from the way that I'm smart or, or something like that. But, you know, the, the, the thing about it is the people who make you want to, who want to make you feel small, whether it's because um, they're a business guru or because they're the cool kid or because they can, it, it that's not that's something that comes from a place of insecurity on their behalf, right? It has nothing to do with you. Or if it does have something to do with you, it's because they're intimidated by you as well, right? And there is something that is magical when you become comfortable enough with yourself that you don't take yourself seriously. And you're able to simply say, cool, man, let's talk, right? Let's, let's, let's have some unvarnished conversation where I'm not trying to project how amazing that I am, right? So that you're impressed with me. But I wanted to right. learn about you and what makes you tick and, and the things that, you know, another human being really finds important about their lives. Yeah, I think, uh, and you hit it on the head. And I, the spirit of the, the whole podcast, Owen, right? I mean, it's, it's again, right. you know, your example of people walking down the street, knowing that, you know, this person's got this complex life that I just passed. And, you know, the people that you're doing business with every day at the gas station or at the, you know, at the grocery store, whatever, everybody's, everybody's going through something, right? 
sometimes it's really yeah. happy and you can tell that it, you know, it's their mood that you feel it. Right. And, and it extends to you. And sometimes it's not. And, and you're absolutely right. I, mean, I think there are a lot of people. I see this in leadership uh, where there are a lot of people that I consider to be really, really smart. It doesn't make them good leaders. And a lot of times oh, right. it's exactly what you just said. Right. It's 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 the insecurities of, gosh, I, I, yeah, I might know I'm smart, but you know, I've got all these insecurities and therefore I want to control everything and therefore I'm going to, and therefore, and hence they become a leader that no one wants to follow. Right. It's, it's, yeah, yeah I'm going to lead you, but I'm going to drag everybody with me. And it, and it typically frustrates everybody. So I think you're absolutely right. And there's gifts that, that, you know, I'm aware I have gifts and I would call them a way to overlook my limitations is what I would call them. Cause you know, I, I look at that and go, okay, I'm not really, you know, I don't have these particular gifts, so I've got to use a different strategy to be able to motivate people to do and to to work and to follow, you know, the lead that and the, the vision that I cast. Right. And so you said it earlier, I'm a doer and I will take that. I, I will. Genius. No. Doer. Yes. In fact, everything that I do, I got my wife makes these little stickers for me. In fact, before I've got a I've got a race in Pennsylvania this weekend uh, and I have her write these little things to say do epic shit. Because for me, yeah. that's what it's about. It's about mm -hmm. it's about take risks every single day. Don't let anybody tell you you can't do anything and go out there and just do epic shit. And if you fail, so what? Right. I, I failed trying right. to do epic shit, but that's I'm going to try right? to do epic shit. And I got a short time on this earth and I'm not going to go out and go, hey, let's be average today, boys. Let's do this. Right. Let's go. Out right. and, let's go chase average. <laughs> right. I mean, th 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 there are a couple of ways to fail to do epic shit. Right. Only one of them involves involves trying to do it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, that, that that's what it comes down to. I mean, failure in the process of trying to accomplish it is totally acceptable. Right? Not trying in the first place is is the failure, right? Yeah. And, you know, you can, you know, you had mentioned, hey, you know, sometimes you can overthink things and maybe that causes a little bit of paralysis you take too long. The, on the other side of that, you can be, you know, you can be too impulsive and, you know, you can, you know, jump on anything and everything. And I've had to learn over the years from a lot of the mistakes I've made is that, you know, I have a tendency to to want to do things too quickly. I need to slow it down a little bit and make sure that, you know, I'll, I'm a doer, but let's make sure you're doing the right things, right? Let's do the high probability you know, of success. Let's make sure you're prepared for the epic shit that you're going to take on. Right. Because, you know, I've learned over the years that it doesn't matter whether it's these Ironman races or whatever it is. If you go into anything unprepared, you're probably not going to do epic shit. Right. You're, you're probably right, going to be really disappointed. Right. right. And so I've learned that that's the other piece of for me is that slow down, prepare to the point where I know I need to get to to make it successful for me. And what I learned you know, in that journey is that a lot of people get prepared faster than me. I'm a, I'm a slower preparer, but I know when I'm ready, right? I can feel mm -hmm. it in my gut. I, I know when I'm ready to do something. And so it's worked, right? And, you know, do I, do I, you know, hit a home run every time? Nope. But, you know, do I strike out a lot? Yep. But it's the, the, the epic shit only happens when you put yourself out there, right? It just, you, right. you can't do, at least in my opinion, it's pretty tough to do epic shit. If you don't put yourself in positions to really stretch and grow and, and, and do epic shit, right? It requires it requires flexing muscle. It whether it's your brains or your body, right. whatever it is, it requires you taking action, right? And that's the that's the key. So for me, it's just keep moving, right? Even at this age, I'm almost look. I turned fifty nine last month. I'm almost sixty, so um, I don't feel like I'm sixty at all. I feel like I'm thirty five now. You know, at the end of the race, I'll. I'm, 
feel like I'm 60. But, you know, <laughs> when I'm going into something like that, right, I still feel like I'm in my 30s. It doesn't because, you know, I've never stopped to think about what any of the mm-hmm. age piece means. And I've been blessed enough to be to be healthy enough to continue to do this stuff. So for me, it's just prepare properly, you know, take on things that, you know, have a high probability of success and then just go freaking slay it. Right. Yeah. So That's I, it. I'm curious. I I have a suspicion, but I'm, I'm curious. Um, when and why did you start the Iron Man stuff? Well, there's actually a funny story to that. And it's, it's actually, it was not my idea. I had just sold a business. Uh, it was 2010. I had sold one of my businesses. And okay, so you came to it fairly recently. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, okay. this was this. Let me see. I did my first Ironman in 2012. It took me a couple of years from 2010 to 2012. I did sure. just did some races. So here's a funny story. So my wife walks in. I'm sitting at my desk just like this. She walks in after I'd sold that business and I'm, I'm not doing much of anything at this point. And she says, you know, you haven't challenged yourself in a while. And she grabs this piece of paper and sets it down on my desk and I'm looking at it going, okay, so let's see. This is an Ironman. I don't know what that is. Oh, wait, 2.4 mile swim. Okay. Uh, I can't swim, literally can't swim. So I, but I keep reading, I keep reading because I'm thinking to myself, you know, I can't swim. Right. And this is two and a half miles. So I'm thinking, I know how far that is. And then let's see 112 on a bike. Hmm. I don't own a bike at this present moment. And then uh, run a marathon after you've done all that and do it all within 17 hours. Yeah. That sounds like something I could do. And so she's like, look, you know, again, do epic shit. Right. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I watched this video on this stuff. It looks amazing. It looks like it's life changing. You know, you're in decent shape. I'll teach you to swim. So we buy a swim spa because I don't want to try to learn how to swim <laughs> you know, in front of people. Right. Right. You right. Know? And, and so I buy a swim spa. I learn how to swim a little bit. My first race, not an Ironman race, just a regular triathlon. Swim is probably I don't even remember what it was. Several hundred yards, Owen. And I'm doggy paddling and I'm almost yeah. dead. And I can't I, I mean, people are crawling over me in the water. I, I'm about to drown. Right. And I'm thinking, I don't want any part of this. I'm going to quit. And I get to the ladder and there's my wife with a video camera. And mm-hmm. I go, oh, God, I can't quit. I can't quit in front of my mm-hmm. wife. I'm like, what do you have to be here for? Right. Stop being here. Right. And then so, you know, and I get up and I finish the race. And at the end, I go, wow. You know, I did it. And that was a tiny triathlon. And, right. you know, it just it just went from there. It went, okay, well, now I got the bug. Wait, I did that one. Tell me about the <laughs> Ironman thing again. And it was it. It was just like, all right, let's try it. And and now I, I haven't been able to turn back. I If you go out in my garage, you'll, you'll you know, you'll see all the stuff because they give you the medals and the posters mm-hmm. and the, the, the whole garage is decorated. And so I've done a ton of them now. And, uh, and actually some I haven't, you know, there's only been one time, but, you know, I haven't finished. And if you ask me what the most memorable one is, it's the one where I, you know, they have time limits and cutoffs for these things. Mm-hmm. I made it through the swim cutoff, made it through the bike cutoff, made it three quarters of the way through the run. So I've got about, a, I've, I've got 127 oh, miles under my belt and I don't make the 10, 15 at night cutoff. So they think you won't make it to midnight. I, they pull me off. So, mm. and that's the most memorable one. Cause that's the one that, that I remember how bad it felt. So that's what drives me now is that, yeah. You know, I can't stand that. It was awful feeling. You know, he pulled. I didn't quit, but you're making me quit, and mm-hmm. I hated it. So right. that, look, that's how I got started. I got started because Tony was apparently trying to kill me, and, <laughs> and, and <laughs> so selling businesses is not a good thing because when you do that after you're done something, right? She thinks it's time to get after it again, and there's apparently right. a time period in her mind where she knows if I 
if I'm dormant too long, it's probably not going to be good for her. So mm -hmm. kudos to her for pushing me. Yeah, it's, <laughs> my wife has tried to kill me a couple times too. Um, <laughs> but I, it, that, that reminds me a little bit when, when I was opening my firm, um, I got a call from my mom. Um, my dad had recently retired. He was a big law a litigator. He did high stakes corporate litigation, appellate work, environmental cases. And my mom said, so do you need any help? I said, mom, thank you so much for that vote of confidence. <laughs> and she said, no, you don't understand your father. I need your father to have something to do. Right? <laughs> and I said, right. oh, okay, I get it. I, I get it. Um, Idle hands, man. Idle yeah, hands, exactly. right? It, exactly. It, it's a, it, and you think about it, I'm a lot more cognizant of that. Uh, as I age, there's no doubt about it. Because I, I, yeah, I moved. I think yeah. I told you we moved. Tanya, mm -hmm. you know, up and you know, on a whim, bought a house in North Carolina. Right? We'd never even been mm -hmm. here, and then we get here and we realize it's in a retirement community. And so I'm watching a lot mm -hmm. of the people that I've now lived here for a few right. months with, and and I'm looking at them. And you know, no offense to them, but it's just I'm looking at that life, and I'm going, you know, I'm not ready for that life at all. Right? Right? I don't want any part of that. So. You know, the fact that she's pushed me and continue to push me is a good thing, right? It's, it's, it's good mm -hmm. for me because I don't want to, uh, you know, not, I don't have anything against pickleball, but, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want my schedule to depend on, you know, when my tea time or my pickleball time is, right? It's quite a move from ultra marathons or Ironman to pickleball. You pickleball. One yeah, of these yeah, things I mean, is not I'm... quite like the other, right? <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to break into song? You are, aren't you? You're going to start singing. <laughs> Follow the bouncing ball. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I get that. When, <clears throat> when I came down seriously ill, I had to step away from practicing law because I was not in any shape to do so uh, and, and actually abide by my ethical obligations and things like that. So I, I stopped practicing for a year and a half, two years. and. You know, at first I was like, okay, well, I don't, I'm not doing well physically. I'm looking back on it. I was dying and I was, I'm just going to take a break. It'll be, it'll be good for me. It'll be great. And it was great for a total of three days, John. Wow. Three days. And then, and then I was like, I've, I'm going to lose my mind. I am not going to make it, you know, not because of the illness, but because I don't have anything to do, um, you know, and I couldn't practice law, right? And so what I ended up doing was I, I got a job as a tutor just to have something to do. Right. Um, but it got me through it. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, one of the things that I have significant trouble doing is winding down and just being, right? And and I think for people like you and me who are constantly building things, we're looking for the next thing to do and how to, you know, expand the map, right? That sort of, you know, I was about to use the word idleness, but that has a certain connotation to it, doesn't it? Right? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Right? Um, that, that ability to be still is really, really difficult for me anyway. Well, especially as the thinker, right? I mean, you're even if you're still, you know, right. seated still, you're not still fundamentally. You're you're thinking hard, 
Yeah, no, I, I, I feel the exact same way. Most people that know me would, that's probably one of the first things they would say is that, you know, unlimited energy and it's not unlimited energy. I'm a lot of times when I'm doing things, I'm tired, but I want to keep doing things. So I just don't stop. Right. So it's the same kind of thing. I don't, idle doesn't suit me. Um, you know, I can't sit. I'll give you a perfect example. You may be the same way. I'm not a, I'm not a yes. huge football fan or anything, but you know, I, I can't sit on a Sunday. I, I hear people talking about football season coming up. Can you sit on a Sunday indoors and watch a football game, a whole game like that? I'm thinking, no way I can't do that. I could be out on a boat, you know, swimming and fishing or doing something and listening to the game in the background. I, as long as I'm doing something else, I can do that, but I can't just sit there. And, and do that. It just doesn't suit me. And, you know, I know that's something a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, so when, when I was growing up, uh, I mentioned my dad was an attorney and, and he worked, he worked a lot. And one of the few times that I could depend on being able to spend time with him, especially when I was really young, was Saturday afternoons when Notre Dame played. Oh, Wow. Right. And so, I mean, to this day, I didn't go to Notre Dame. My dad didn't go to Notre Dame, but my grandfather played for New Rockney. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Yeah. That's, so it, that's it's, a good it's, piece it's, of information. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of built into the fabric of, of, of my family because of that. But even though I love Notre Dame football and I, I'm excited tomorrow, they play a terrible team and I'm going to be ready. To, I have a really difficult time sitting while watching. I just walk around my pace for that, yeah. you know, because I'm not good at sitting still. I mean, part of that is ADHD, right? Um, right. But, you know, it's it's one of the most difficult things for me to do while, while taping this podcast. If you go back and listen to the first one, I try to edit it out. I, I constantly want to do things with my hands, right? And so I had some guitar picks in my hands and I was sort of like bumping them together and it became audible as I was listening. You can hear it. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. And I was like, Oh shit. Um, but well, you know, what is wrong with you? Look, who would do such a thing? <laughs> right, right. There you go. Right? Ser <laughs> Seriously. I do it all the time. Yeah. You sure you're not my brother or something? Yeah. See? Yeah. You know, and I don't even have a guitar. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, being and able just say to for your Notre Dame piece, though, you could go to a Notre Dame. I, you know, so look, a, a bucket lab, never been to I've never been to Fort Bend. I've never been to that stadium. And, and oh. what I could do is absolutely go to a game. That's a oh. whole different experience. Right. If you're there it's, and you're taking it in and you're right, like a Notre Dame football game would be a bucket list. They're amazing. I, it's it's one of those, you know, watching it on TV. I'm nervous. You know, I, I when I'm at the game, I'm at the game. Right. And that's yeah. one of the few times where it's just like, OK, all of the stuff up here in my brain shuts down and I can just exist in a, in a space. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but from the couch, it doesn't from the couch. It doesn't work no, that way. That's what not, I'm saying. I mean, if you're the there, I mean, you know, you kidding me? I'd go in a second yeah. to go see something like that because it's I'll, just a, a, I'll, I'll have to take it sometime. OK, deal. Okay. Yeah. That you know um, that's on that's recorded, and even if you even if you edit that out, I still have it, right? Yeah. So so we'll go and we'll have some ginger ales. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be the very few sober people in the stadium. <laughs> Actually, that's not true. At Notre Dame, I suspect people probably hold it together better than maybe the SEC. Yeah, I've been to to games all over the the country, and um, you know, at 
uh, from the Big Ten, from Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. I've been to games at Alabama and Florida, Georgia. Notre Dame is the most welcoming stadium for opposing fans that, that I've ever been to. Um, you know, it's it's almost as though, you know, the, the fan base is inviting them in and saying, I hope you like it too, right? As, ah, opposed, as opposed to trying to tear each other's head off. Right. Well, they, maybe they, you know, again, are respectful and mindful of what an experience it is. Right. I mean, that's why they're yeah. not in a conference. That's why they're mm-hmm. it's a it's just the elite pinnacle brand. Right. I mean, there's not you know, I don't care whether even when they're winning or not winning, it's still, you know, they, they get advertised as their own brand. Right. I mean, you know, that's right. It's amazing. You know, I mean, it's, it's the reason that people love and hate them is because they are unique in that way. Right. 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 Um, so, although you probably wouldn't be able to tell from listening to any of the episodes of Sonder Union, I, I do spend a, a good bit of time preparing for each uh, session. Um, and my friend, other than LinkedIn, you are a digital ghost. <laughs> yes. Um, and actually, if it wasn't for LinkedIn, I, I would have, I, you know, I, I stayed that way for a long, long time intentionally. Yeah. I'm not a social media guy. And, and you know, th- <laughs> that fascinates me, right? Um, how do you manage to waste all your time? How do I manage to waste all my time? Yeah, you're, yeah. you're not on social media. <laughs> what, what, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing scrolling? Uh, uh, my favorite hobby, you know, if you, you know, and actually I do, I actually, Tanya and I just started a YouTube channel on, uh, mm. on YouTube, obviously, uh, to document since we moved here and we didn't know the, mm-hmm. the coastal Carolina waters, we're boaters. And so we've always been boaters yeah. everywhere. We are, we are boaters. And rather than buy a boat here and go run it up on land, which is what I would do if I didn't know the water, <laughs> we bought it. The, 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 a Sea-Doo Explorer. Mm-hmm. It's like the Cadillac of Sea-Doo, so it's just so comfortable. Yep. So we started a channel just to go on adventures and take everybody with us so that we can That's we can fantastic. share that with other people. And so my passion when I'm not either training or with my family, which is my other passion, just yeah. to be, you know, I'm one of those people and I, I know everybody's not like this. I just, my wife is my best friend. I love spending time mm-hmm. with her. I'd spend every minute with her if I could. I'd drive her crazy. But, you know, those are my things. It's, it's you know, spend time with family first. If I can do family and boating or some sense on the water, then that would be fantastic. And then the other time I'm usually training. But social media for me, look, I think I shared with you how it started. I mean, this was a we're going to start a new business line and we don't know how we're going to advertise it because our businesses traditionally have not needed advertising. They're they're established. They're they're long term contracts. It's just not the kind of thing that you had to go out and do this. And so, right. You know, my sales team at the time said this thing needs a face. You got to get out there on social media. We got to. And, you know, everybody kind of looked around and nobody was volunteering. So, I thought, <laughs> all right. Well, all right. So, I, you know, I thought, all right, I'll give it a shot, right? I, what do I know? I had no idea that, you know, I thought LinkedIn was for resumes. I didn't really know that it mm-hmm. was, you know, it was for anything other than that. And then I saw, okay, well, wait, it looks a little stale to me. It could use a little waking up. And and then I saw what Sherry was doing. I think I shared that story with you about how she right. takes the 80s students and, yeah. and turns them into these these amazing, and I don't even know how you pronounce it, voy, say it voidier. Voidier. Voidier, voidier, yeah. yeah. You know, and, and I read it and I go, ah, oh, it's brilliant. God, I love this. It's like, you know, and I thought, yeah, I can yeah, do that I mean, stupid stuff, right? <laughs> so that was it. I mean, it was that it was really that it was that simple. And then eventually everybody started going, hey, this is pretty fun. 
let's do this every week. And, you know, before you know it, lo and behold, it took on a life of its own. So I, I would never, you know, I told you this before, I have no musical talent whatsoever other than I just enjoy listening to it. And for some reason or other, when I hear a song, I don't usually sometimes hear the words to the song. I make up other ones in my head. And so I thought, right. well, I can do what Sherry's doing. That's pretty cool, right? <laughs> and so why not give it a shot? And so that 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 that's why you don't find me anywhere because for decades, I made sure that I didn't have anything to do with any kind of that digital media. I'm adopted for one reason. I didn't want to be found, right? I think, oh, okay, you know, the last thing I need, I tell Tanya all the time, you know, I see these stories, man. She watches this the, the, this crime TV network and, and these people are out find, trying to find their siblings and they're and I'm thinking, right. I don't want to be found. I love my adopted parents. They're dead. Yeah. I, I didn't need the parents. I, whoever the, the, gave me birth, thank you so much. Right. I'm glad, but right. I have parents. I'm good. My, yeah, I'm good. All right. My sister, I, she's adopted too. I love her, but I don't need new sisters. I, right. I, I, I'm just going to, I'm just going to lay low. I, I don't need to be found by anybody. So I, I just never put myself out there. That's why it is so funny when people see this, they're mortified because they know the me that is not oh, right. I, that dude. So talk about being authentic. It's authentic in the sense that I think of all this stuff in my head. It's not authentic in that that guy is not going to show up at your party and, and be the life of the party. That guy is going to be standing with you over in the corner talking about something, drinking a ginger ale. That's what that guy. Uh, yeah. That, that, that's funny because, you know, one of the questions I do have written down is, you and I, we, we are both introverts, right? Even though we can appear on occasion to be extroverted, right? I think that we're comfortable performing or playing a role or a part, but that's different from actually just being extroverted, right? I, I, I'm curious as to how much you have consciously thought about the way that that affects the way that you appear on LinkedIn. It, it seems to me like you've thought about it a fair amount because you, you're just, you know, incisive about the, the kind of role it, it plays in, in terms of how you think about both what you're doing there and what other people that you, that, you know, outside of LinkedIn think about it. <laughs> right. Um, but how much of, how much of a role has, has that, you know, played in the way that you've approached it? You know, a couple things. First of all, yes, you and I are both introverts. And yes, it is dramatically different. I tell people this all the time. You know, before doing this, it would be speaking in public, maybe, right? And it's the same thing. I'm on a stage. You're on a stage. You're talking at people. They're not talking back, right? And then when you're done, you say thank you. You walk off the stage. You go back to your life. Right. That's easy because I don't have to engage, right? You're going to listen. People are most of the time polite. And you know, I'm not taking questions. I try not to do that. This is the same thing, right? I'm behind a camera like I am now. There's nobody here. I do this by myself. If it takes 100 takes, it doesn't matter. And I'm never engaging. You're just seeing the final product, right? So it's dramatically different. And I'll, I'll tell you an interesting story there because we had a pastor. I won't name anybody, but he had that same kind of stage presence, right? And I heard somebody one time say to me, John, do you know he's not like that at all? And, you know, I, I met him and I thought I wanted to go hang out with him. And then I find out... <laughs> You know, it's like a dead fish normally. It's like false advertising. And I, I've never I've never lost that because I thought, wow, I suspect people probably think the exact same thing about me. Wow, that guy looks like he's fun. And then I meet him and he's really not all that much fun. He's a dead fish. And so I spend a lot of time, you know, first of all, the, it started for take one for the team, right? It was about 
let's get attention. We need it quickly. It's got to be doing, we got to do something dramatically different to get recognized for that differentiated factor we need. And then we need reach, right? And how do you get reach these days? Well, I just studied some of the social media people then and I thought, okay, well, reach apparently is something you got to have some sort of polarizing thing or something that is is unique enough that people go, hey, that's different. I, I noticed that. I got to tell you about this guy who, right? So now when people know who, maybe people don't know who we are, but they say, oh, that's, yeah, it's that guy who sings those stupid songs. Yeah, I get it, right? There's a, there's a thing that happens then. And I think that's what happened. And so I have spent a lot of time focused on the message, Owen, to try to make, and, and a lot of people don't get it, but a lot, but the people that I need to get it do, right? So, so there's a lot of people that find entertainment value in it, it's stupid, the wigs, the, you know, the, the silly dances and all that. But there's a lot of people that look past that and go, wait a second, what he's talking about is something that I might not have found or heard if I had to go search for it in, in some sort of paragraph somewhere. So, wow, tech is important, right? But it's not the only thing. People are important too blending those two things together and having a readiness component and a path to go forward and a strategy. And now all of a sudden the message starts to make sense. And mm -hmm. the direct messages to me is where the beauty happens. That's where the magic for me happens, Always. right? It's okay. People, yeah. people are reaching out going, okay, I, I, I don't know if I understand what you do, but tell me a little bit more about it. And, and then all of a sudden we have a dialogue and it works, right? So the, so the message piece is probably where I spend most of my time to make sure the song has to be popular enough that most people are going to recognize it, first of all. So it captivates their attention right, and right. evokes a memory. So there is thought in there that I got to I got to get some of that dopamine cooking where they remember something either good or bad. It doesn't matter which one. Right. But then I got to keep them around by sharing something that's relevant to them in their industry or their space or something. And, and I got to do it in a way that maybe someone else hasn't done that message. And the last piece of it is that there's some way and somehow, and I don't even know how this works. I just know that it does that when you do something like this, people feel like they know you at some point, right? I've done it enough. Right. So when people finally meet me, they might think I'm not all that smart and they might be right. But the, at the end of the day, they're never intimidated. They're never scared to reach out. They're never right. So, so somehow, some way in all that messaging, music, drama, production thing, trust happens. And mm -hmm. I, I can't explain it because I would have never guessed it myself. And look, I mean, I, you know, I, you know, you and I met here. I mean, I, I've got friends that I consider people that I would call up if I had a question or a problem or people that I just love. And I, and I met them here. I mean, I would have yep. never, ever suspected such a thing. It just I, I didn't know. It, but it happens. And I if you asked me how to write the formula down for the recipe, I, I got nothing, dude. It just yeah. happens. Um, it's something in us. It's an innate component in us that even when we do it over distance like this, it still works. And I don't know how. I think that one of the things that has become more and more apparent to me, the more I've paid attention to it is, I think that more of us than we ever really knew or acknowledged or wanted to to think about are lonely right and so any sort of connection that can be made right where somebody can can see and be seen goes a long way and it hits the it fires the right brain chemicals and 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 it gets it going and you know 
you, you hear different people argue about whether or not we need to be in an office together so that we can get that kind of connection or, or whether or not work from home is fine. And honestly, it doesn't matter. What's important is the kind of relationship and the kind of connection and the kind of openness that, that we have with each other. Right. That's, that's the magic thing. Right. Yeah. But the hard thing is there's no one way to do that, right? So there's no there's no real playbook for it, right? For people like you and me, it's going to be a very different playbook than it's going to be for friends of mine who are just tremendous extroverts and, and who, you know, get off on being around people all the time, right? right? For you and I, we, we need to curate it in such a way that it doesn't overwhelm us. That's a great um, point. And, you know, I, I, I always thought that that you know one of the things that would have to to be a big big component of it that kind of relationship on a place like this is time but you know i'm finding that it's not as necessary as i thought it was is that i'm finding that you can pretty quickly especially if you've been following somebody for a while right i mean if somebody mm -hmm. particularly ones that post pretty consistently it's pretty easy to start developing an idea of what it is they spend their time thinking about right so when you do finally get to have a conversation with them you know a little bit more than you think you know, right? You start talking and you go, and the, the last piece to that isn't really a time piece. It's, wow, is this my kind of cat, right? It's like, you know, when right. I, like I told you about you, it's like, you know, I went, you know, when I found out what you liked, when I found out what you did, when I found, it's like, man, dude, I don't need to hear anymore. And we could talk for five more hours. I'm not going to like you anymore after five. Hours. Well, I might, right. I, but, but I don't need those five hours to right. know that you're my kind of cat, right? And mm -hmm. I think that's a, another, at least for me, I underestimated how that could happen because I just didn't. And, and I'll tell you, it's given me some really, really keen insights. So again, my, my grandson, pretty unique, you know, but then maybe not unique, right? In that, you know, we, we, you know Tanya and I always worry, gosh, does he get out enough? Does he do that? Yeah, he's out there, out there with people. But, you know, when I walk in his room and he's online and he's doing this and he's got five of his buddies that are the same right. buddies all the time. And it's like, okay, well, John, wait a second. Isn't that just like you and your five buddies at the creek, you know, jumping around in the water? They're not I'm, they're not jumping around in the water, but they're playing, you know, I don't know. What are they playing? They're playing Fortnite or something, whatever right, they're or doing. Mine, they're, Minecraft or something. Yeah, it's something that they all really, really love and they love doing it together. And that's what matters. And they don't know that they have to be together to be able to develop those kinds of relationships. So, so it's forced me to start rethinking what I thought was necessary just from the, the, the human perspective of it, that we need those. Now I will say, I think the, the younger people, it's gotta be tougher for them to learn because there are some things I think that you go through with some friends that are, you know, that become your 2am friends that, because you've been through so much stuff, you can't right. replicate as an adult, right? Because well, if you did, you'd go to jail, right? For one, I mean, a lot of stuff, that, <laughs> right. right? A lot of stuff that if I could replicate a lot of the stuff I did from you know eighteen to twenty three with some of my best buds, you know, we'd be in prison, right? So you can't right. do that, and I don't suggest it. But the but 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 you know, some of that, I you know, a lot of a lot of people that I talk to, a lot of my friends, we go, gosh, you know, kind of worry about our kids, not really they're missing that piece of it. Do they really know how to be there emotionally for somebody? And I thought. And I think errantly, maybe that it was impossible to get that from here. I don't think it's impossible, but I do think it's different. But I think it's doable, yeah. and, and right? I mean, it is. And I think what happens, you know, for people like you and I, where you know maybe you're not the most social, maybe you're not, you know, an introvert. You know, now you can be in your room and still be talking to your buds, right? You don't have to go out to do that. And so for a kid right. like him, 
that probably wouldn't go out. If there were no online, he'd be in his room by himself all the time, isolated. And now he's not. And more importantly, he doesn't feel like he is, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I think that's the piece that really matters more than what John thinks. It's how does he yeah. feel? Does he feel yeah. happy? Does he feel fulfilled? Is that enough for him? Well, you know, who am I to say he needs more than that? That's not up to me. Mm -hmm. So I think that part of it is unique in that, you know, we all, you know, we all feel like it, particularly people my age, right? feel like you could use a little less technology because we're used mm -hmm. to, you know, look, I loved in the 70s when I, you know, in the, in the 80s in particular when I'm on business and, you know, you can't find me, right? You're, you're, look, if I'm not near a phone, oh, you right. ain't finding me. Right. You know, then it was, well, if you're not in your car, you can't find me. And then it was, you know, and then it was, and now it's, okay, if somebody doesn't get back with you, like I, I've seen my phone a couple of times here and going, okay, these people expect that the minute they either call, text or something, you're going to get back to them. Oh, I hate it. You know, well, you know, it's, it's one of those, I, I, I was talking with my sister the other day and she was, she was saying that it's so bizarre because when, when we were kids, right. So, um, I was a kid and in high school, I graduated high school in 99, right? So I was a 90s kid as far as that goes. When I went out, I went out. I was like, see you when I get home. And yeah. that was it. That was it. Um, and my sister has two little girls. Um, the oldest is nine, almost 10. And she's like, they have cell phones. And if I don't hear back from them within a certain period of time, I start worrying in a way that our mom never did right and no. she said there's a constant concern and worry that is a, it, it's possible now that wasn't before right i know that you know if my wife goes on a trip you know her her company is headquartered in california when she goes on a trip if i don't hear from her i start worrying whereas if my dad went on business trips like he did and my mom didn't hear from him, it was like, yeah, he's at work. Like he's, he's, he's in Houston. What do you want? Yeah. And, and there's not a phone on his hip. Right. Yeah. You know, and I asked my dad, you know, one time, you know, what's the biggest difference between practicing law now versus when you started in 1977? And he said, I used to be able to go home. Wow. Wow. And the simplicity of that really, really kicked me in the nuts, right? It's like, oh, oh man. Yeah, I used to be able to go home. And, and here I am in my office at home where I run a, a firm where I have clients from Los Angeles to London, right? I'm always home and always not home at the same time. Yes. Right? Yeah, I long for the, and you're right. It's funny. It evokes memories of us too, because again, I'm a little older than you, so, or a lot older than you. Uh, I graduated high school in 82, and, you know, our parents, it would be the same thing. We would leave in the morning, we would go wherever we went all day long, and the only expectation really was be home for dinner, right? Right. And, you know, if you didn't show up for dinner, it, even then, it really wasn't worry. It was, ah, he's probably at Rick's house, he's probably at Kip's house, he's probably, mm -hmm. you know, it, it wasn't this immediate, oh my gosh, something's wrong, right? It was, right. Yeah, dude's off having fun, right? And, you know, and then it was when the street lights come on, you know, come back home. And that was it. It was, yeah, we were you know, so, we were, we could do our thing, you know, we, right. we didn't think about the, it. There, there was an agency and a freedom. Um, but, you know, I, I was... I was talking with my dad a couple of weeks ago and he was like, it's so much more dangerous now. I said, actually, if you look at crime statistics, it's safer now than it was when I was a kid. 
the reason I think that we're so worried all the time about our kids is because we're used to being able to have them immediately available, right? Whereas when I was a kid, it was, yeah, go play. And you, it wasn't that it was safer back then. It was that we weren't trained to think that there might be a problem. I don't know. It's, it, it's, it's a weird, you know, sense of, you know, the way that, you know, the dopamine hits our brain as far as, okay, yeah, they're okay. Yeah, they're okay. I texted, they're okay. You know, and, and we are, we are training ourselves to need that constant reinforcement and, and reassurance that everything is going okay. Yeah. I mean, it's so, you know, the expectations are just so different. Like I said, I, I, you know, guilty as parents, we wouldn't let our kids out and let them run around or run around yet. You know, I'm, you know, my sister sure. and I have this conversation all the time, third grade, we're riding our bike a mile and a half to school. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. who does that? Nobody rides their bike a mile and a half to school when you're in third grade. Are you kidding me? So it's just like you said, everything has evolved to a point where everybody has. And I think the media has sensationalized a lot of what of we see every single day. You know, you see so much of it, you just go, okay, gosh, what next? What next? What next? I can't watch. I, I just don't watch the news. I can't stand mm-hmm. to see it because the the over and over and over, you know, beating the message in that the world's not safe and somebody's going to get yeah. shot today and, and you can't go to school anymore and you can't, you know, and you can't, right. and you can't, and you can't, uh, you know, I, I just can't watch it. Yeah. No, I, I understand that. Um, I'm curious how how being an introvert has affected your family and your relationships with the people in your family? You know, it, it has, it, it's interesting because I think they see, they see a couple different people when they see me. So, and, and when I moved here, it's a perfect example. When we moved here and our neighbors are really, really open and gracious and everybody wants us to come over and I'm going, I don't know these people. And if there's more than two, I can't <laughs> right. do it. And eventually they got used to, you know, okay, John, don't worry. There's only going to be two people. You know, they would tell me beforehand, okay, don't worry, John, there's only going to be two of us here. Or don't worry. So somebody like Caleb, you know, my 14 year old grandson, you know, same thing. He looks at me, he's like, puppy, are you, you're not going to go to that, right? There's more, you know, three people there. So they know <laughs> what my, what my boundaries are or where I get really uncomfortable and really awkward. So you know, everybody has just kind of worked it into what we do, right? We don't typically go do things that make any of us uncomfortable, right? My wife is is an outgoing, talk to everybody, you know, would be around people 24-7 if you let her. And if she's in the grocery store line, like when I'm in the grocery store line, look, man, I got my Rice Krispies and, I, you know, and I got a gallon of milk and, and I'm I'm not talking to anybody in the line and I don't care You're how long it takes. You're waiting to get back to your car. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not talking. And look, I don't care if the registers are 15 minutes. I'm not going to know the guy in front of me. I'm not knowing the guy in back of me. I'm not saying a word. Whereas, you know, the line can be 30 seconds long and she's going to go out of her way to find something to talk to those people about. I just don't do that. And so she is really mindful of the fact that, you know, she doesn't put me in situations that make me uncomfortable. I don't go to bars. I can't stand all that noise and stimulus and (laughs) Yeah. Uh, that doesn't work for me. Right. I'd rather be in a restaurant with two or three people. So it's funny. I th- So I think people have helped me, you know, maybe maybe it's a crutch, but, you know, my family knows what I enjoy and where I feel comfortable. And for the most part, tries to put me in situations that I'm mm-hmm. comfortable being in, you know, and I'm really the only one. Most everybody else in our family is is lively and gregarious and it's it's dramatically different. I'm really the only one. 
So I've been the anomaly. So people always, you know, and, and you know, here you're supposed to be the head of the household, right? And yet everybody's making concessions for you to go, eh, we got to be careful. Poppy can't go there, you know? Or, <laughs> right. So it's funny because, you know, leader yet, yeah, and yeah, not so much. So uh, it's, it's interesting. I don't, and I don't spend a lot of time thinking about that, but I do notice in my life mm-hmm. where, and that's how I know people care so much about me, right? Because yeah. they, they always yeah. attempt to put me in a situation where I'll be comfortable, right? My comfort matters to them. And that is something I really appreciate, right? Mm -hmm. Because I don't like to be uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I, I get that. And so um, next week, I'm putting myself into a very uncomfortable for me position, right? I I am headed to San Francisco for the Saster conference, right? So it's a conference for, you know, SAS companies, something like 12,000 people go to it. Yeah, that's that's my instinctive reaction to it too, right? Um, but you know, as I said at the, the top of the show, one of the things that I've been working on is forcing myself to learn how to exist in in in, in places that I naturally would not want to, right? In in an attempt to force myself to grow, right? I'm trying to do some epic, epic shit, right? It, <laughs> it right. might not work. I might yeah. turn into, you know, my my shell might come fully over my head and I might sit in the corner with my ginger ale and that might be the way it goes. Right? But I I don't know. Maybe maybe I can hold it together for an hour. Right? And get to know some people. Um maybe it's going to be 5 minutes. Maybe it'll be a day. I don't know. Um but I have you know really carefully kept myself from those kind of situations my entire life, right? Um, and I might be younger than you, but I'm not 42. So it's not like I'm a spring chicken as far as things go, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. That's, that's a long time to, to sort of put yourself in a, in a capsule and just say, let me be. I have honestly no idea how this is going to go. Um, I am both excited and frightened <laughs> of what's coming next week. Have you have you found that people that maybe you've not met in person that you've met at, on LinkedIn or any are, are there some people that are going to be there? Because one of the yeah. things I've heard people say in our familia on LinkedIn is that this has been kind of the, the icebreaker moment. Right. And I, I use uh, Lisa Lang as an example, who's kind of like us. She really introverted. Yeah. But, you know, obviously, you know, mega leadership thought, you know, really thought leadership, but, you know, never really at at peace in events like that and then put herself out there and uh, for one of uh, Laura Frederick's how to contract sessions and, and right. found that, you know, where she thought she was going to get to someplace LinkedIn served as that interim where she, people knew her. Right. So when she came mm-hmm. in, it was like, Oh, you're Lisa Lang. Right. So as opposed to going in, you know, cold, like we used to have to, does the LinkedIn familia, you know, belonging help you any, is there any, population of them going that you get to, to the benefit of going, ah, I, I kind of know you, right? And you kind of know me, right? Yeah. So what's interesting about this one is it's not a legal conference, right? So it's, okay. it's and purposefully so, right? Um, right? I wanted to get out of that bubble. Um, but um, there's uh, a woman who is absolutely lovely. She's, she's one of my clients who you may have come across at some point, Amy Volus. 
I know um, the name. I don't, yeah. I've not met her, met her, but I know yeah. the name from. So, so she's going to be there and she's sort of taken me under her wing. Um, and there are a couple of other people. Um, another one of my clients uh, will be there and, and some other people that I've come across and, and interacted yeah. with. So it's not going to be you know, like truly diving into you know, an ice bath in the deep end, something like that. <laughs> you know, still, it's, it's not something that, you know, I have ever done before. Um, and as I said, I, I am both excited and, and absolutely terrified. <laughs> well, because it's epic shit, you know, again, yeah, for you, right. it's, it's, it's epic shit. And so it's funny because, you know, we have that in common. So I have been asked, one of the dangers of doing this kind of stuff is that sometimes people ask you to do more, right? So in right. my parody stuff, you know, the how to contract with Laura Fredericks, she's reached out and said, hey, we've got the next one in Vegas. And I, I despise Vegas. Uh, and she said, that, could you come it's, it's, and be the music master place. and the mix master? And, the you know, could you come do uh, we're going to do contracts parody? We're going to do all. And I and I'm you know, kind of looked at my wife and went, oh, God, you know, I don't I've never done this in public ever. I've never done any of this in public, you know. Right. The, you know, but, you know, she said the same thing to me that we just said to one another. John, it's just another extension of epic shit. Well, mm -hmm. You know, what do you have to lose? Most of the people already know you're a goofball. So, you know, if you just go be a right. goofball, right? And you won't let well, anybody down. So same same thing that we're talking about. Yeah. You know, and, and I keep telling myself, like, I used to play in bands in front of crowds of thousands of people. Like, I can do this. Right? To, to your point earlier, it was it was unidirectional for the most part. Right? It wasn't right. in... I mean, like, the, the, the crowd would react, right? And they would be a part of the show, but only in a certain way. Right? It would, yeah, they can only was, get to you at a certain... Right. right. You control... Right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I know they're probably throwing undergarments at you. That's a whole different story, but <laughs> no, not not that kind of band. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's funny, isn't it? Funny though, how how levels of you know. So you and I are talking about something that scares us to death, and somebody else hears this and goes, "Come on, guys, and that ain't epic shit. Give me a break. I do that every day, right? Yeah, that's but right, the, that's but right. yet they might not be able to do some of the things that we do. So it's so funny how the variance amongst people when it comes to what you consider to be really, really, you know, some stretching you and growing you and epic shit. And for yeah. other people, it's like, dude, I, you know, I do that every day. Come on, man. That's not, I'm not even breaking a sweat. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that, that gets after something that, that Chad Abood talks about all the time, right? Things that might seem easy to you, they might not actually be easy. No. Right. It's just that it's something that you've been drawn to that, that you have developed a skill set in and you know, you like doing it. So it doesn't feel like work. It doesn't feel like something that you have to, you know, tax yourself to get done. To anybody else, it would feel almost impossible. Right. Well, and your hard thing, and I love that 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 mm -hmm. talk he gave. And he's another one where again, you you have to if you meet him for two minutes, you already know. He's just such a right. beautiful human being. Like I can't imagine anybody meeting him and not going. If you don't think that guy's a beautiful human being and like within two uh, minutes, man, you're not paying attention, man. That dude's got, right. I mean, that's why I say to me, LinkedIn can't cover up certain gifts. It doesn't matter. They're going to show through in some capacity if you're a dude like him, right? You have to work a little harder to get to my gifts. But that guy, you know, you, I don't know. it was like, whoa, two minutes in, you're like, oh, dude, you know, I, I that guy, he's got it. The it thing. I don't know what yep. that it thing is, but he's got it. 
I mean, that yeah, is so just good, it, good dude. The, the, the thing is, I would say that you have it too. The thing is, it looks different for different people, right? There, there's something that if you have it, it just like it oozes out of you, right? And only you. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's 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 an interesting you know thing where all of us undervalue the the gifts that we have because we've had them our entire lives, right? Yeah, you're it's right. Just, it's like it's like yeah, I can do that. Like you you can't. It's like no, <laughs> I cannot do that. I've never been able to do that, and I could work for the next ten years and maybe get a quarter of the way to what you're able to do, right? And we sometimes overvalue things that other people can do for the same reason because it seems so impossible yeah athletes i mean you know we watch them a lot of right. time and we're just mesmerized right because a guy can swing a bat you're like okay well you know at it's at its fundamental is that really that impressive it, well it is when you realize somebody's throwing a ball at you 100 miles an hour right and mm -hmm. he's, he's right in front of you and you have to you know knock it out of the park under pressure with fifty thousand people watching you yeah it is pretty impressive right Mm -hmm. So it's different. Yeah. You're absolutely right. It's, it's, it's different. And so he might not be able to do this, right? They might not be able to carry on a conversation for all we know. Mm -hmm. and they may think this right. is hard. Yeah. So I've, I've wanted to ask you this because this is something I've, I've pondered a little bit. What's one fundamental belief that you've had about life? And then you realize at some point that you were wrong about it. Wow, that's a that's a that's a big question. Uh, I would say I was one of those people where I thought life was supposed to be fair, um, <laughs> and and I thought and and it's probably in a in a reverse way than you might think. I mm -hmm. thought that everyone, I had a real again, I was adopted. My parents loved me. I had a fantastic life. We didn't have any money, but we didn't know we were poor. There was love in right. the house. It was just a fantastic place to be. And I thought, okay, well, this is what life looks like for everybody. Life is fair and everybody's got the same, right? And it really wasn't until, you know, I got in about high school, college age where it was like, wow, I've met a lot of people. and They don't have nearly the opportunities that I have. Maybe their parents don't love them like mm -hmm. this, or maybe their economic yeah. situation is way yeah. worse off or, you know, and I errantly just thought, you know, obviously naively that everybody, if it's snowing in John's world, snowing in everybody's world, I thought everybody mm -hmm. kind of lived like this. And so I realized pretty early on after that, that, wow, I mean, what we had that I thought was just commonplace amongst everyone was not the case. Right. I mean, I was mm -hmm. so loved so accepted, never pushed to be anything I, I didn't want to be, right? I had everything in the world that you could ask for growing up from yeah. a, a non-material perspective, right? And I just thought everybody had that. And so I grew up with this just fundamental belief that, you know, everybody starts at the same place and gosh, how can it be that dramatically different? And I was so wrong because I mm. met so many people where, man, their circumstances just were, it was like, wow, your parents do that? They treat you like that? They, the, the, It's like, you hear some of this and you go, oh, I want to cringe, mm, right? right? I thought everybody had the same amount of love poured into them. I thought everybody had the same opportunities. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought, you know, I thought, I thought. And so I, you know, I, I my world was, was changed. My father, I'll, I'll tell you, my father was, grew up in, in Alabama in the South. 
Uh, he was born in the 20s, so you can imagine what, you know, mm-hmm. by the time he was 20, he was out of there because he couldn't stand the, the racism. And, you know, one yeah. of the things he told me was, you know, that's just there, there's one thing that will not be tolerated in my home. It's that. And so a lot of my friends, dear friends, still to this day are black. And I didn't mm-hmm. realize you know, how difficult some situations were for them until I went yeah. out into the world with them and, and found and out that, wow. Yeah. I thought, okay, wait a second. I don't have that problem, but you know, so same thing there. It was like, you know, when we were young and, you know, in our adolescence, it was just, we were all hanging out the pool. Everybody mm-hmm. was the same every, until you got a little further in life and you realize everybody's not the same. And they, even if they are, they're not treated the same and they don't have the same opportunities. And so that was one of the things that struck me that I was, just completely naive about. And, and, and I still, I still struggle with it because I still mm-hmm. think, you know, I, I'm not as sensitive to where people came from sometimes because I still have this misconception that everybody had the same upbringing as I do until I hear otherwise and go, wow, I'm amazed you got through, you know, how did you do that? Right. I mean, right. You know, right. I mean, there's so much, you know, that people have lived through that, I just didn't have to experience. And so one of the reasons why that the, the fun piece to me, you know, that's a question I get a lot. Owen. how is it that you're always like in a good mood? And I'm not I'm not always in a good mood. I mean, I just want to have fun. I just enjoy life that way. And I realize that and look, I'm going through some pretty tough times But you and I look, you and I've been you know, I've been honest with you where we are. A couple mm-hmm. of business lines of ours is having a really, really tough time. This is a, this has been about the worst 60 days of my life in business for sure. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and people ask me, well, you got to keep doing the songs. You gonna keep doing. Well, of course I am. They're the, they're the fun part. Right. I'm never giving <laughs> up. the fun, Right. right? If right. I got to go through, you know, what I'm doing right now is not epic shit. It's just shit. Right. So I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up the fun stuff. Right. If you're going to take away the business, you know, a a level playing field of business where it's going really well and I can't enjoy that. Well, while I'm going through the shit, I'm sure going to try to have fun. And so, you know, I think that's a you know, I've learned that that it really truly is a core value of mine, that no matter how much money you have, no matter what your circumstances are, there is a way. And I saw somebody posted something the other day on that, that, you know, it's 10 percent of what's that quote? It's 10 percent of what happens to you and then 90 percent of how you deal with it. And I, right. I think that, you know, in my case, I can't speak for everybody. In my case, that's true. Mm-hmm. I could let this completely wreck me and I could never get out of bed or I can just wake up and do what I always do and know that, you know, at the end of the day, the people I care about still love me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have fun till I leave this earth. And, you know, that's the way it's going to be. I'm going to laugh at anything and everything. And I'm going to try to find the good in, in, you know, right. There's still good. There's, you know, what I've learned, Owen, is I'm going through a pretty crappy time right now. Guess what? People reach out to me all the time and go, John, how you doing? Right. Mm-hmm. You did. You know, how you doing? Mm-hmm. You okay? Everything okay? I just want to, you know, I mean, how good is that? Right. People know you're hurting a bit. And what do they yeah. do? They reach out to help, man. I mean, how good is that? It's it's, it's yeah. good. I have I, I so you know there's never I, I've never ever had a situation where I didn't think that you could find a way to get through it and maintain the true core of self, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it just is what it is. And you've been through. Look, I heard that you know I heard more about in one of your I think it was the first podcast you did where I think maybe you were talking to Jerry and you know mm-hmm. describing some of the you know in more detail than I had heard I think on that one <laughs> where. You know, some of the things you'd gone through. I didn't know, you know, I knew what you'd gone through, but I didn't know in detail what you'd gone through. And then, mm-hmm. so, you know, to come through stuff like that and find a way to still be able to live, laugh, smile, care for your loved ones. I mean, that's, that's not easy to do. That's triumph of the human spirit. 
you know, and, and part, part of the thing that, you know, so one of the things that, one of the fundamental beliefs that I've had that I've realized was wrong was that uh, if you learned enough stuff, you could figure out the meaning of all of this. And that's not the case. I mean, you, you could be, you know, Rain Man or Johnny Number 5, like, flipping through books. It's not going to get you where you want to go, right? But what going through my illness and then my transplant and then the recovery from the transplant taught me was, one, what I went through was no different from what all of us go through on a daily basis. It was just a very acute version of what we face, every one of us, every day of our lives, right? It brought it into focus in a way that typically for people going through their lives without having to, to, to face the mortality or the, the, you know, the, all the nonsense that comes along with being sick, you can kind of ignore and pretend that you're 18 forever and Superman and, you know, all you need is a little bit more sun and you'll repower. Uh, <laughs> but what got, what got me through it was realizing that there were people around me who, no matter what happened to me, loved me and cared about me yeah. and would show up for me. Right. You know, it's, it's one of those things where to put it in, in very, very stark terms, you learn who your people are because they show up in the sick you after your surgery. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The 2 a.m. friends. Right. I mean, that's, that's exactly the people it. That, you know, yeah. I mean, it's amazing. Well, th and that's exactly my point to you is that, you know, I'm going through this and I realize it's something my mother used to say all the time. John, you take all this dirty laundry and strife and hang it up outside. I guarantee you, you'll bring it back in because somebody's got it way worse. And so, you know, I realized that, look, you know, we've had a really nice life. My, I have a wonderful wife. I have a wonderful family. I have anything, anything and everything that we've ever wanted to get out of life. We've been able to get out of life. Yeah. You know, anybody would trade with me in a second. So, you know, I gotta, yeah. you gotta keep that in perspective on how good, particularly when you think about the world population, mm -hmm. you know, just look, just living in America, uh, yeah, you know, it's... you're already, Right. I mean, you're already yeah. privileged just living in America. Yeah. I, I mean, I, it's not uncommon that when when somebody learns about my illness and what I went through, they're like, man, you're you must like you must feel really unlucky that you got the short end of the stick. Like, absolutely not. I feel tremendously lucky and blessed. Right. Yeah. Um, because, uh, you know, to your point, I grew up in the in the richest nation that's ever existed in the in, in the world uh in the history of the world in a loving family that had enough material wealth to give me anything that i ever wanted um i got a good education i'm surrounded by brilliant lovely people i i want for nothing right and it has nothing to do with money or what car or I want for nothing because there are so many people around me who are just really magical people. Yeah. You know, nothing else matters. No, you're right. And, you know, here we are sitting on the cusp of a holiday weekend and, and right. I'm sitting there thinking to myself, okay, what am I going to do? I'm going to go spend time with my family. Right. I mean, that's the, that's what you want to do. That's what I want to do. I want to go spend mm -hmm. time with my family because we live in America. It's a three day weekend. And what are you going to do? You're going to cook right. some food. You have some great conversation. You're going to create some memories. 
and you're just going to flat out enjoy the fruits of your labor, right? It's, 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 you know, mm-hmm. it, it's just, we are, we are absolutely blessed. And for you, you know, again, if you were in a third world country and had to go through some of the things you went through, you might not have lived, right? You I know, mean, if, you're if, blessed to be here because yeah. of the, the care you can get. I mean, if I had been born 30 years earlier, just 30 years, which in, in the time span of human existence is not even a blink. If I had been born 30 years earlier, I would be dead. Yeah. Because because the transplant technology wouldn't have been there. I also happen to be born in the city where transplants were invented. Right. So we've mm. got the deepest bench of <laughs> of doctors and, and procedures and technology literally in my backyard uh, of anywhere in the world. I, I am lucky. Right. The fact that I had to learn to walk again with staples you know, throughout my chest and my belly, that's not, that's not anything. Right. I mean, well, most people, you know, I, I, you know, again, you can't ever, you can't ever say this, you know, across the boards, but most people feel like at least to my, you know, when I have these conversations with them that you you always learn, that's the stuff that teaches you to be tough. That's the stuff that teaches you to go forward. That's the tough, the stuff you learn lessons. That's the, you know, when it's easy, you know, I'm I'm as guilty as anybody, man. When it's easy, I float along with the current mm-hmm. and enjoy the ride, right? When the right. current starts shifting, you got to swim against it. You know, now you got to start putting some focus into this. You got to start thinking. You got to, it's right. just, it sharpens. It just sharpens you. It it does. And when you get through it, you realize that you can get through nearly anything. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, for me, I mean, you know, again, everybody's, everybody's epic shit's different. Mine lately has been more physical, but you know, sometimes mm-hmm. as you just described, you know, where, you know, you got a conference coming up, you got to get your head around getting there and going, okay, I'm, I'm in this moment. What am I going to do with this? Am I going to mm-hmm. stand in the corner like I always do, or am I going to get out and do something? I mean, that's, you know, that t- to me, again, being, that's another one of those mm-hmm. where I've gone to conferences in the past and I've not prepared myself to benefit from them. Right. And therefore when I leave, I go, well, I hated that. I got nothing from it. It was stupid. And then I look back and go, okay, well, you got nothing from it because you put nothing in it. You didn't prepare for it. You already, you know, it was self-evident that you were going to go stand in a corner. You shouldn't even have bothered, right? Right. As opposed to what you're doing here is that I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to make myself do something mm-hmm. that can be valuable for me and my business and myself. And I'm going to force myself as best I can to try to, to maximize, you know, what I get from this thing. And that's a whole different deal. You know, that's epic shit. Showing up isn't that it's part of it, but you can show up all the time and never do anything, you know, in order to get the epic part, you know, for me, at least I got to be prepared. I got to have an execution strategy. I got to know what I expect to get out of it. And then I got to go perform, right? I got to do what I got to do to get it done. That's what it sounds like. You know, we got to put ourselves in that right frame of mind. Yes. Even this, you know, look, I told you, I, you know, I, I, I was intimidated for the longest time to even respond to some of your, you, your post because you're so <laughs> damn smart. So I'm, you know, I'm telling, you know, when, when the last thing my wife says to me before I come on his podcast is, why would he want somebody like you on there? It's like, <laughs> wait a second. That's not, yeah, I'm the thanks, relief. I was telling her Tanya. the relief picture. I'm telling her the relief picture story. I'm like, you're supposed to pump me up. I'm going out in the ninth. There's like one batter left. And now you're telling me I don't even belong in the stadium. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> killing me. <laughs> killing me. Hey, you know, it is important for all of us to have people in our lives that will bring us back down to earth. Amen. All right. What do you consider to be the most boring thing about you? 
wow, the most boring thing about me. Probably the 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 movies that I pick. I I have uh let's just say most people that see the kind of movies I choose, like if you looked at my Netflix history, you would think that I'm a 80-year-old grandmother. Um <laughs> I don't watch any action movies. I hate mm -hmm. violence. Um, I don't mm -hmm. like, I, so I'm a Hallmark guy. I'm a, I'm a, a hopeless <laughs> romantic. I watch, I watch movies that would be ordinarily referred to as chick flicks mm -hmm. uh, or, or documentaries that are extremely boring and no one else in my household wants to watch. And so uh, <laughs> most people would say that the, my movie taste is absolutely beyond boring. And I should be watching, you know, the rock and, you know, fast and furious <laughs> and all the titles that, and I don't no. like any of that. So no, I'm um, you know, that. <laughs> so uh, that I and I would admit that it probably is kind of boring. But I just I'm a, I'm a sucker for for you know the guy gets the girl right, and and I don't mm -hmm. want anybody to get hurt or bleed. I don't like bleeding. <laughs> that's that's fair. Would would Tanya answer that question the same way about you? No, I'm quite sure she would find a whole host of other things <laughs> boring about me as well. Uh, probably the fact that if she, if she didn't stop me, and I don't know if you're this way, Owen, but I, I know I am. I I am. If if someone doesn't doesn't control me, I could be a workaholic easily. Mm -hmm. So I am boring to the extent that if you let me sit here at this desk and work for twenty hours a day. You I would do that. It, it's, it's, yeah. it's, I don't know why it just, again, when you enjoy what you do, it just, the time flies. So most of my family finds that extremely, not only just boring, but, you know, also infuriating because, you know, it just, you know, they, they'd rather be out doing something fun and I'm just fine right. sitting here working. So I think she'd probably say you're boring because you're just, you're a workaholic and she, her job in life has been to save me from myself. Um, mm -hmm. That, that really has. So when she walks in and says, you know, you haven't challenged yourself, it's never work, right? It's always right, something right. outside of work that, you know, she focuses the challenge on. So I'm not sitting here doing work, right? Mm -hmm. And I imagine cool. you probably, based on what I know about you, could probably allow yourself to, to work longer than maybe you want to, too. Oh, Especially yeah. in your current situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, the... One of the things that my wife and I are working on together is we are both workaholics, right? So, mm. um, you know, even if I get finished with work that I need to do at like six, um, her company is based on West Coast hours, right? So if she's working till eight, it's like, well, I'll work till eight. And then if I'm in the middle of something, I'll work a little bit after that. And she'll say, well, Owen's working, so I guess I'll work. And you can see the, the sort of cycle yeah. of how, how this turns oh, into a death spiral into, oh, man, workaholic we should go to bed. We should, we should eat something. Right. <laughs> so, so we've been working on finding um, ways to both of us have ending points, right? So we can be a forcing function for each other in terms of how to how do we get out of this cycle um so that's an, that's an ongoing <laughs> ongoing uh experiment and it's an unhappy for me at least it's an unhealthy habit that i oh, don't absolutely. really recognize right i mean i yeah i'm horrible at recognizing until i get up and go do something else and go wow, i should have done that three hours ago right right um but I get baited and I allow myself to get baited into a really unhealthy habit. I could sit. 
for way longer mm-hmm. than, you know, my watch is telling me, I, I get it. It's like, dude, when your watch right. has to tell you to right. get up off your ass, right? I know. I know. <laughs> it's not even your family members <laughs> anymore. It's your watch going, Hey dude, get up off your ass. Yeah. Yep. I hear you. I hear you. It's, it's, it's the, the one saving grace that I have is I, I make sure that I take uh, my dog for, you know, mile or two mile walks three or four times a day. Um, that gets me up and going. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I mean, you can always convince yourself that there's more work to do because there, there is, right? There is, um, yeah. So, all right, John, thank you. I really appreciate you taking an hour and a half to come and, and shoot the shit with me. Dude, it was epic. I was looking forward to it. I was so nervous. But once we started talking and just <laughs> it was just like you said, it's exactly why I love the concept of this podcast, because it's it's a conversation and anybody yeah. tuning in expecting to hear us sit there and talk about bits and bytes and data and numbers and earnings and <laughs> right. You, you might as well turn it off because it's not what it's about. And that's what is to me is so refreshing about it. It is cool. And I would have never guessed because to me, this is outside of your, again, back to doing epic shit. If you were going to do a podcast, I would have expected to tune in and hear about, you know, business and startups and the, and all the things that, you know, not that they're not interesting. They are, but they're not exceptionally conversational and you don't really get to know anybody doing that. Yeah. that this was so cool because it was so different than anything that anybody's doing. And it also just seemed way out there for you to pick something like this to do based on what I knew about you. I thought, wow, mm. this is cool. I got to be part of this. Yeah, I absolutely have to be part. Of it. I want to hear more of these because this is the kind yeah. of thing where if I'm driving on a long trip, I'm going to get to know a dozen people, right? Going cross country. I might just keep driving, man. Just keep listening. <laughs> so I hope you continue doing these because I, I, I think it's really, really cool. So yeah, remember, no, I, it is yeah. all about me. It is all about me. Remember, at the end of well, the day, let's be clear. It's all about so, me. Well, it, it, to, to be fair, the reason I'm doing this podcast is because I selfishly just want to talk with cool people like you, right? So yeah, it's it's as simple as that. There, there's no real ulterior motive. Well, there you have it. Thank you, John, for coming on Sonder Union and helping me do some epic shit over here. Um, you can reach John at uh, John Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y on LinkedIn. I'll have a link in the show notes. If any of you are so inclined, please do rate and leave a review of Sonder Union on whatever podcast platform you prefer. I always forget to mention this, so I'm mentioning it twice this time. With that, we'll see you next time around. Bye.